top of the morning to you and the rest of the day to you too. Um, my brother right here with the white shirt on. Uh, <coughs> God is at work in your life and the restrictions you sense will be gone. I don't know what that means to you, but that's, I had to say it the right way. That's why it took me a moment. Um, I ask God to allow me to see into people's hearts. You ever ask God to do that? By the way, sister, we really appreciate your prophetic ministry. You know how, you know how, what a blessing that is to us as a people. And we honor you for it. We thank you for your obedience. And sometimes we don't really realize the impact that we have. But one of the most precious things on earth is to hear the voice of God. And very often it comes through a tongues and prophetic word. Thank you. We receive that and we honor you. Um, Brother Harry, you had a blood clot that the doctor said nothing could be done with it. Is that correct? Now, we've believed that God would remove it, and he did. Without any side effects. And he also corrected the heartbeat, I believe, was it? And for your good wife there, I'm going to declare no more, no more allergies in Jesus' name. The recognition that God is love I think it's what I started with last week. The recognition that God is love, and whenever you read your scriptures, remember that he is love. In other words, it's like this. Um, all things are possible to them who believe. That, mean lo that, mean lo that means love, who is God, conquers all things. And if we're believers, I think it's important for us to understand that his motivation is love. And out of his love comes results. And I was kind of reminded of Corinthians, you know, it says you can prophesy, you can do, know all things. If you don't have any love, he says, you're nothing. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I hate being a nothing. In the kingdom, love makes you a somebody. Amen? Love makes you a somebody. The, the reason why is because that love identifies you with a somebody. And his name is Jesus. And our identity is not found in ourselves, it's found in him. And I, 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 uh, Pastor Daniel's message kind of twigged some things in my mind. And um, I, I attempted to do that last Sunday and didn't get there.
However, I want to make a statement here that I want to share on. Covenant realities are activated in the sanctuary of faith. Covenant realities are activated in the sanctuary of faith. Your heart is the sanctuary of God. It's where he lives. And faith is activated in your sanctuary where God dwells. Where he lives, there is faith. Where he lives, there is faith. It's not our faith. His words produce faith. His word produces actions that we take that please him. And I want to talk a little bit about how, how does what he said become our substance? How does that happen? You ever think of that? How does what he said become our substance of what we hope for and the evidence of what we don't see? His motivation is not just performance. His motivation is who he is, and he is love. By the way, Vanessa, you have a beautiful voice, and I liberate you from your restrictions. I won't pray for you because you'll cry, but I I can declare things to you. (laughs) Uh, Hallelujah. And so, just go with me to the book of Hebrews for a moment, chapter 11. I want to just read just short phrases. It's not my text, but faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hmm. So how does, how does, how does what he said become our substance? How does it become our evidence? What actually happens? So in in the book of Hebrews, we have the aftermath of people of faith who live by faith in the old covenant. By faith, Abraham obeyed. By faith, he dwelt in a land of promise. By faith, he waited for a city whose foundation and builder was God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength and conceived. That's amazing. It doesn't say in their own meritous way that they earned it. It doesn't say that. So it didn't become substance because they earned it. It became substance because he spoke it 
and they believed it. You are saved by faith, not by your own merits of work, but by the grace of God. And at this point, there's many subjects one could wander off into. But if you go to me with me to Romans, I mean, we, we, we just read this about Abraham. Go to Romans. It's funny. Romans mentions Abraham. Hebrews mentions Abraham. And you can go to Genesis and see the story. And God comes to Abraham and he says, uh, he didn't say, I'm going to make you. He says, I have made you the father of many nations. It's a done deal. What you believe for is done. You don't create its success. You walk in it. I have made you the father of many nations. He had no body, but he was already made that. Well, I, I got to just make sure I don't get ahead of myself here. I mean, I got five pages of stuff I'm sorting through trying to pick out what I'm going to say. So anyway, in Hebrews chapter 4, I mean uh, Romans, I'm sorry, thank you. Romans chapter 4. Verse 22 says this, and therefore it was accounted unto him for righteousness. And whenever you see a therefore, you ought to know what it's there for. But if you go back, it talks about, in verse, verse 17, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of him whom, uh, in, the, in the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls things which do not exist as though they are. That's a powerful statement because what God said, he will bring into existence even though it doesn't exist. Because what he says exists. but he brings it into existence into our life so that we can actually walk in it and experience it. That's how, that's how faith becomes a substance. It's not the substance of what I believe. It's the substance of what he puts in front of me that I can't see but believe it exists. Have I lost you? I'm lost. Right about there, logic disappears. I don't understand all that. All I know is this. 
What he says has the substance and the evidence of your future. In fact, everything he said has the substance and the evidence of your future. Do we look at the scripture that way? If I read my Bible, God is going to bring into existence a substance that exists in his eternal state that's going to become my life. Wow. See, that's how love becomes a part of us. That's how the fruit of the Spirit becomes a part of us. So, let's just go back to Abraham now. He looked for a city. What was he looking for? Well, it says a city. Whose maker was God. So, what evidence did God put in front of him? What substance and evidence came before him that allowed him to see what didn't exist yet? That's amazing. I find that I am so limited in my knowledge. I'm so limited in my understanding. I'm so limited in my perception that uh, unless, unless God comes in and puts some substance to something, I really don't get it. I mean, I could believe all kinds of stuff, but do I get it? Faith enables us to get it and to grasp it and believe it and expect it and boom. And on top of that, he brings this into existence into a person who couldn't perform it. Isn't that amazing? He believed and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And all we as believers in this world of evangelicalism and Christianity believe this. My righteousness is I'm saved. That's true. But when you look at the people of faith, their righteousness came with a package of achievement. I have made you the father of many nations. And when he said that to Abraham, Abraham began to see in faith what God saw. I'm really saddened in my heart as I was studying this. I'm thinking, how many people read their Bible every day? How is anybody ever going to get faith and an evidence and a substance for their future if you don't read the word? We're like, we're like saved Christians in a boat with no motor. We're just going along. Hopefully one day it'll just flow right into heaven. 
It will. But Abraham believed a promise that God had for him, and then it was accounted unto him for righteousness. You see, you can't separate righteousness from the package that comes with it. So what's your package? What came with your package? I'll, I'll tell you in a, in a few moments, but it'll take an hour. But ca what came with our package? When we believed, well, I just got saved. True. But there's a whole lot of stuff that came with that that we don't pay any attention to. Okay, I better, I better get with it here. So how did, how did, how did what God say become the substance of belief? Because he, he created what was not and brought it forth as it is. And that became the evidence. So here's my thought. My thought is this. God, you know my future. You know the package you gave me. I want to fulfill it. And I find it all in the new covenant. Well, that's too much for you. No, yeah, it's too much for me. It's not too much for God. See, how big is your faith? Well, I'm just saying, no, no. Our faith contains all that he said. Because he has, in his words, there's the creation of existence of what actually he spoke. Am I making any sense? And, and I get kind of excited about this because it's really not about me and about you. It's about him. God, what are you saying? What have you said about me? Uh, I'm going to share this. My uncle, my youngest uncle, we're, we're all raised Greek Orthodox. He wasn't saved. He got cancer. He was, I think, late 70s, early 80s. And my... My other uncle who got saved, uh, my, my youngest uncle was dying of cancer, so my uncle who got saved took him to, and he had, he had been a pastor for years, this, this uncle of mine, and uh, he took him to a cabin of his, with his, that his son had on the lake, and he took Uncle Johnny there, and, and Uncle Johnny said these words. He says, I could never be forgiven. And my Uncle Wes said, well, why not? He says, because I have sinned so bad I have committed so many dear, dirty rotten things in my life he said I could never be forgiven and my uncle bless his heart Uncle Wes he said to him Johnny do you not know that you've already been forgiven
Uncle Johnny fell on his knees and thanked God for his forgiveness. And he got saved. And I'm thinking, that's so out of evangelical pattern. It's not even funny. We don't start with the finished work. We start with our earning the finished work. If, I won't go there. It's one of my pet peeves. You don't need to know about it. (laughs) I got an amen on that one. (laughs) Okay. So, so do you understand how the thing becomes substance? How, how, what becomes substance of what you believe? It's because God brings into existence what he wants you to believe of what his word says. In other words, he brings it into a, into a sphere of belief whereby you can believe it. So Abraham receives I have made you the father of many nations. And all of a sudden, in Abraham's heart, he began to see things. Because Hebrews says he did. He looked for a city. Hey, you know what? This is not reality down here. There's a city where there's some reality we don't know nothing about. And it created a faith of in him that actually had the substance in his heart of what exists in heaven that he was looking for that God was building. Man, I'll tell you, that blows me away. God, let me see. I want to read your word and I want to have faith so I can see what you're actually wanting me to believe for. I got into a discussion with my wife. I don't usually win. And I said to her, what's the difference between meritus, passion, and desire? Do you ever think of that? I'm not going to answer you. Just ask a question. Hopefully you'll think about it all week. <laughs> but here's, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go to, that was a good introduction. Wouldn't you say amen to that? Amen. Now faith is the substance of thing, things hoped for and the evidence is of things not seen. Let me show you where that comes from. Colossians 2 verse 9 says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead. Out of his fullness, he brings reality. Not out of his partiality. But out of his fullness, he brings reality that we can believe in, even though we don't see it physically yet, but we see it with the eye of faith. Abraham saw with the eye of faith many nations. He saw with the eye of faith a city 
whose builder is God. Well, how could he do that? Because God spoke to him. And when God speaks out of heaven, all that is in heaven becomes part of what he says. John 1, verse 16. This is the verse. This is my key verse right here. For out of his fullness, his abundance, we have all received and all had a share and we all were all supplied with one grace after another grace. And spiritual blessings, which spiritual blessings and even favor upon favor and gift heaping upon gift. Wow. That's a rich scripture verse. Verse 14 of John 1 says, and the, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Listen to this. And we beheld his glory. We saw it. We saw his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What did they see in Jesus? They saw the glory of God. They saw the splendor, the discernment, the wisdom, and everything that goes with it. All the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him bodily. And they saw this. And of his fullness, we have received grace for grace. Whenever you function in the Holy Spirit, no matter what gift it is, it's grace. Because that's where the word charisma, charisma comes from, the word grace. You function under favor. When you, when you prophesy in tongues, you function under favor. The favor of God comes upon you and puts in you his thoughts and his words in his own language, and then he asks you to speak it. And when you speak it and you stop, and then he gives you the interpretation. That's grace. Every time we minister to somebody, you cannot do it outside of grace. Because the gift of healing is grace. The gift of prophecy is grace. Everything is grace. So grace after grace after grace. We live by grace. We do not live by the law. You don't earn anything. You receive it and you function in it. You believe it and you do it. So,
out of his fullness corresponds directly with what we've received. Let me say that again. Out of his fullness corresponds with what we've received. If it was out of his partiality, that's what we would have received. But it wasn't out of his partiality, it's out of his fullness. We have received grace. Think of this. When you receive from his fullness, grace comes. And grace is two things. Divine favor of what you did not earn and divine ability to perform what is to be done. We call it our ministry, but it's not our ministry. It's the Holy Spirit's ministry. And we take credit for things that the Holy Spirit does. We take credit for the price that Jesus paid because we call it our ministry. I don't see it as my ministry. I'm only flowing with what the Holy Spirit's doing. And I'm joining him. It's his ministry. And by the way, the word ministry in the New Testament is not what we call ministry. It's just called servant. But they interpreted ministry because it was part of a priesthood. I won't go there. Uh, liable to offend somebody. When we have nothing, Christ has the inexhaustible substance of what we need. Fullness. When we have no faith, his fullness does. When we have no faith, his fullness does. We don't have faith on our own. We have faith of what his word produces. And I don't know why we take such credit for everything. What we lack, he has more than enough. Because we have received of his fullness. He is the giver. We are the inheritors. That is all we are and ever could be. We inherit what he blesses us with. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? We inherit a full blessing of his fullness. And I'm saying, Father, the early church and Acts functioned in your fullness in a dimension that we don't see today. And I'm, and I, and I'm believing that here, at Solid Rock, we will see 
We will see acts, reality here. Because as the disciples receive the fullness, we open our hearts to receive the fullness. In fact, we already have. We just don't know it. And I'm saying, Father, we, we want to... <laughs> the substance of heaven turned the world upside down. My goodness. That just blows me away. It's, it's like, it, it, we're kind of like this. We're kind of like a patient who's waiting for the doctor to put a pill in our mouth so we can get well. That's the picture of how we should be in receiving from our Father. I need what you have. I need from your fullness what you have. I need it. It's like the blind beggar taking a coin dropped into his hand by a charitable person. He just receives it. That's what we need to be like. I'm just going to grab what you give me. God's gift and offer and call always comes first and not only makes possible our receiving, but induces the weight of influence and effectiveness of what we receive. This morning as we were worshiping, somebody mentioned glory. You know something? There's a weight of glory in the Bible that you can feel. And as I was standing there, the weight of glory came on me, and I'm telling you, I could hardly stand. And some of you know what that means. But I think, here's where I go with that thought. God. I'd like your glory to come down and just collapse me on the floor. Because I know your fullness would do that. <laughs> because I don't want to settle with a trickle. I want a river. Let me show you a picture of the disciples. What they received. When they received who he was, they received the complete fullness of his eternal state. In other words, they didn't just accept him as a man, they accept him as the Messiah. See, everything, they were expecting the Messiah to come from heaven. So that they received 
when they received, they received who he was. The complete fullness of the eternal state. When they saw him, they received him. Others rejected him. But as many as received him, to them gave he authority to become sons. Hallelujah. Who received the fullness? Verse 12 is sonship. Verse 16 is fullness. When they saw him do, when they saw him do, they received the potential that he had in what he did. When they heard him teach, they received it. They allowed it to go into their heart. What and who he suffered for, they received. They received the realities of his resurrection. They received the impartation of the Great Commission. And they received the power of the Holy Spirit. And they turned the world upside down because of his fullness that came. And they believed it. And they walked in it. And they wouldn't settle for anything less. In fact, they guarded it. They protected what he said. And no one was going to steal from them what Jesus said they could do. No religious philosophy could ever deter them. No religion could ever say to them, you know what, you're kooks. Oh, they could say it, but they wouldn't stop. My uncle said to my, my uncle Johnny, who got saved, said to my uncle Wes, he said, I always thought you guys were real kooks. He says, now I realize I was the kook. It's funny how a man changes his mind when he gets saved. So they received this. But the Bible said this. Blessed are those who don't, didn't see him and believe. That's you and I. As a result, they turn the world upside down. When Abraham believed, when the disciples received and believed, do you know what happened to them? There was something deposited into their account that was to become their reality. The resources are discovered in what God spoke into existence. In other words, when God said, you will be the father of many nations, he had the resources, the ability, and everything to perform it for Abraham. All Abraham had to do was believe. The resources are activated by faith in what he said. In other words, faith actually act activates what he said, not you. <laughs> if it was left up to us to activate it, we'd be in trouble. 
But when God spoke to him, faith was activated. And he believed. And so it was. Faith comes by hearing what God is saying. It's a rhema word that is alive and complete with divine potential and results. It is full of life here and now for you and I. I must stop. The word rhema comes from a word in the Greek word called noesis. And it's the word to intend, to perceive, to see, to understand, to control your mind and your thoughts. When God imparts his concept. So when Abraham believed God, God imparted his concept into him. What was the concept? You're the father of many nations. I don't know about you, but I like God's concepts. So when rhema word comes, when the word comes alive, God imparts a concept, an idea, an intelligence, and an understanding that comes from him. And it touches our cranium, and we think about it. That's how we get the substance as Pastor Daniel said, the foundation that we stand on and live on. That's how we get it. And I say this just to kind of put things where they should. It is God who does it. It is God who does it. Hallelujah. Father, I yield to the work of your spirit. I yield to the truth of your word. The truth of your word is more than I can accomplish on my own, is more than I will ever be on my own, is more than I can ever think, imagine, or expect. Father, we receive your concepts of what you said.
And in our hearts, Father, we desire so much to see the fullness demonstrated and revealed in our midst, in our hearts, in our lives, in our church, in our city. We long, we long for the manifestation of the fullness of God. And Father, we, we receive, we just open our hearts to receive in reality all the things that you have, of the fullness you said we have received. We thank you for the fullness we've received. It's a done work. We thank you for it. And Father, we look to see it in activity, in words, in actions, in miracles, in signs, in wonders, in salvations, and turning the world upside down, and actually seeing you expose yourself to this world through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.